Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson, and today I'm excited to get to share with you my friend Casey Jenkins. Casey is part of our ministry team here at Have Hope Will Travel. So Casey, first, as we get started, I just want to say thank you for how generous you are with your time and with your talents and the way that you bless us with this ministry. Casey has been part of every single episode since the very beginning. So she is the one making sure that we're accessible to everybody, making sure that we are um, honoring everybody, making sure that we are on track with what we're saying. She's the one going, hey, Katie, you need to re-record that because it didn't work so well. So Casey, first of all, thank you so much for your generosity and your willingness to be part of this ministry. Thank you so much for having me. I really like, I love being able to work with you to make sure everything is accessible. It's been such an incredible year. Good, good, good. Well, I am so blessed by your generosity. And especially because you're someone who walks through chronic pain. And so thank you for being willing to share your story today about what that looks like and what it looks like to live counterculturally and a whole bunch of other fun stuff that we're going to get to continue to chat about. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, welcome. So first of all, let's talk about what your life looks like as someone who has chronic pain. Where did it come from and what does it look like? Okay, so uh, five years ago, I was working full-time as a sign language interpreter. I had literally just gotten married a couple months prior. I just found out that I was going to have a little niece or nephew coming along. And I went to bed one night and was fine, woke up for work the next morning and had shoulder pain. Uh, And that sort of began what has turned into about five and a half years of chronic shoulder pain and neck pain. I've done so many MRIs and x-rays that I should probably be stuck to refrigerators at this point. Uh, And I just sort of are still working towards a diagnosis. I've got a lot of doctors. Nobody's really sure what's wrong with me, but I am in pain 24-7. And that is just a part of my reality these days. Wow. How does it affect your life with pain 24-7? I want to say that affects every part of your life when you have chronic pain like that. Uh, Unfortunately, it really is impacted my work. It's impacted my relationships. It's impacted how I'm able to worship in church. It's impacted just literally every facet of my life, um, pretty much. So Yeah. And especially as a sign language interpreter, you've got such a physical job. So that's not easy. I learned you do need two arms to be a sign language interpreter. It helps. It helps. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about how it's affected church and your relationship with God. How has that changed with chronic pain? Yeah. So it, it's, it's been interesting. So I think that initially I had a lot of support from my general community. When this happened, my husband and I had just, well, we were right on the verge of transferring out of our little church that we were going to and transitioning to another location. We felt the Lord had been calling us out for about a year at that point. And so it wasn't like we left because my pain started or anything, but we had really felt like the Lord was saying, the time is coming, you need to be prepared. So we'd sort of had lots of conversations with the church leadership and how we were leaders and would be transitioning out. And so going to another church became a battle of, can I physically make it to church? Mm. Um, My pain was so high that sometimes I would like go to a church and we'd be in mid-service. My pain would get higher and higher and then I'd have to like 
go run to the bathroom and throw up because I was in so much pain. And so that's not something that anybody enjoys doing. And so that was sort of a challenge in and of itself. And when we left our community, our really close-knit community, it became this also translation of like, we lost our immediate support group. We And we still had those relationships, but things have changed. So as we sort of navigated changing churches, we were also navigating what it looks like to live a life that isn't what you thought it would be while actively dealing with painful things. And at that point early on, we were still like, maybe physical therapy will help, maybe injections will help, things like that, but nothing really did. And as that sort of reality sunk in, it became this process of going, okay, what is our life going to look like? And how do we make that work in terms of being Christians? It was Mm -hmm. this really hard conversation of like, we still believe that God's good, but we're going to churches that actively say intentionally or unintentionally that God doesn't cause things to go bad. So it's got to be you that caused it. And Mm -hmm. so that's really, that was like really brutal to hear so frequently Mm -hmm. just over and over again, that this pain was like either I had sinned and caused it or maybe, you know, and I get it because there is that tendency to say, we can't, like, it's uncomfortable to place blame, quote unquote, like blame on God, Mm -hmm. but there also still has to be a reason. We can't just sort of leave it out as something went wrong in your body. And so a lot of like guilt got sort of thrown at me and I didn't love that. So yeah, it was pretty damaging. (laughs) So we basically took a step back and said, we're not going to keep doing anything that's just going to have us continually spiritually beaten to a pulp. It just wasn't worth it. And so we did a lot of online churches. We did a lot of sermons where we could worship together, even if it wasn't corporately, which I really missed. Uh, I also realized that a lot of the churches that we've been attending really wanted us to attend because I'm a sign language interpreter and could be another person in their ministry, not because they wanted to include us as like a part of the body. And so that was like this really weird reality that we had never expected to sort of walk into. Sure. So it really changed a lot with how we interacted with uh, churches in general. Mm-hmm. Um, to a degree, it interacted with how we changed and how we interacted with other Christians, but not quite so severely. Sure. Um, Christians on the whole weren't like, well, it's obviously your fault that you're in chronic pain. Mm. So good luck with that. Um, So the way like it felt like churches were doing. So that was a little bit different. But thankfully, we had a really great community that we sort of developed. And it was really, they've been great for my soul. I really miss them. We moved to Maryland about a year ago and not having that really close support group that supported us, knowing that I had physical challenges and a disability Mm-hmm. it's it's harder it's an adjustment to not have those yeah. people with us for sure it's an adjustment for everybody and especially as somebody who needs extra support mm-hmm. I can't imagine what absolutely. that's been like for you absolutely so let's chat a little bit about the the theology of healing and the idea that that maybe God didn't cause your pain because well we know God doesn't cause pain but also maybe you didn't cause your pain because right, right. there's probably not a sin issue going on at five and a half years I would hope right. that you would have figured that part out <laughs> right and I know you well enough to know that I don't think so <laughs> yeah yeah so 
I don't know, and I'm sure that it's not everybody's experience, but when I was growing up, I attended a church that really celebrated victories, right? So, and it wasn't quite to the charismatic level, um, which is also really beautiful, and I don't mean to, like, take anything away from that, but it wasn't quite to the level of, like, you're not coming down with a cold, you're coming down with a healing. It wasn't (laughs) quite to that extreme, but there was this focus on victory, And I realized pretty early on that the church doesn't necessarily have any sort of really thick language around what it means to suffer and to grieve and still have those things be ongoing. So a lot of what I grew up with was we struggle, we have grief, those things end, and then we have like this after moment that's really beautiful and there's healing and all of these wonderful things. But I didn't necessarily have a theology around the idea of ongoing Mm -hmm. unhealing for lack of a better word. Sure. And so I think that like on the whole, Christians desperately need to work towards creating an environment where we can have those conversations, which is why I'm really open about having chronic problems because Every, I, I realize that everybody struggles with these things, but not everybody has the ability to recognize that they're struggling mm. with them or they don't have the community to recognize and say, hey, that's not what we believe. We should not sure. be blaming you for the fact that you're hurting. That's ridiculous. And if you don't have that, I think it can be really struggling mm. or it can leave you into struggling. Uh, and if you're struggling alone, it's hard. Yeah. For sure. And it makes me think of um, something Karen said in one of our previous episodes is just the idea of like having permission to have questions and to not have answers. And I feel like you've fallen into that. Absolutely. Unfortunately, unintentionally, but still had to wrestle with that. And and how do we still say God is good when my shoulder's not so good? Yeah. I mean, so there's some really beautiful things that have come in, come out of being in pain all the time. And so like my understanding of miracles has so drastically changed. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily think that the Lord is going to choose to heal me based on five years so far. And I'm like, to be clear, still really hopeful for that, really Mm -hmm. praying for that. But if it doesn't happen, like I think that there can still be miraculous things that are happening and there can be healing that doesn't necessarily need to come through supernatural means. So therapy is a miracle medication is a miracle. Those common graces are so important. And so I'm really grateful that I have that sort of understanding and basis because it's really helped me live in such a perspective that even if the Lord doesn't give me the miracle of complete healing, I still can have a miracle through acupuncture where my pain is better managed and I'm able to work part-time again. And so that's been a really beautiful theological evolution as we go. Yeah. So that's been kind of interesting to watch that happen. <laughs> but For you sure. know, it, it not every day is like that. Some days I'm like so real mad about it and being okay with the fact that I still have a lot of questions and a lot of struggles doesn't change God's love for me or doesn't risk my place as his daughter. Mm-hmm. Does it affect your love for him? I, you know, I would say that it gave me the ability to ask a lot more questions than I would have. Mm-hmm. I don't think that my love has changed for God, but I do think that it's changed and it's developed and it's matured in ways that 
might have happened if this wasn't a road that I was walking, but like really might not have. So it's, it's not a thing that I look on most days as a negative thing, or at least always every aspect is negative. There are some things that I don't love about it. Like I would really love to get eight hours of sleep, but you know, there are still good things that can come out of, of suffering. Yeah. And I think you've had a really positive attitude. Um, at least from what I've seen through majority of your journey. And you were a very positive person even more than five years ago, right? Because I've known you for probably 10 years. Yeah, um, and so, longer. Yeah, yeah. I just thought through that. Yeah, probably more like 13 years. Wow. 13, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you've always had a very positive and a very respectful attitude towards others. And so I think that that has definitely been in your favor, though unfortunately it's not everyone's story. Yeah. Um, let's talk for a minute about like prayerful healing, because I know that you've been prayed over sometimes and I know that that's not always been easy. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. (laughs) I have had some really interesting experiences. I've had some people who've come up uh, and known that I was struggling and in pain. And they say, the Lord has told me that there's going to be healing and we would love to pray for you. And I don't turn prayer down. I think that that's wonderful. And I love that they care. And I literally had somebody who laid their hand on my shoulder, which I'm okay with. And then they shoved my shoulder really hard. And they were like, do you feel that? That's the Holy Spirit moving. And um, it was not. It was their hand (laughs) moving into my shoulder. My pain was so much higher after that. Um, So I've had a lot of that. I've had a lot of that. I've had a lot of people who have come to me and said, I'm going to pray really, really hard that the Lord heals you. And I like at this point, like (laughs) I feel confident enough to be like, let me, let's talk about that instead Mm of, you know, just saying, okay, sure. Because I want people to recognize that it is really important that maybe healing looks differently for me. Like maybe earth side, I don't get that sort of healing, but there's also things that can go and can be better. Like my pain could be better managed. My pain could be reduced. I could have better aspects. My spirits could be higher in certain things. And so I think that's been sort of a fun, interesting experience to navigate because it's hard to tell people, I don't want you to pray a specific way for me. Sure. Uh, And I don't want to hurt their faith in any way by that, but also telling, having people say, oh, well, I'm just going to like really, really pray hard about it. When in reality, I don't think that that is what the Lord's waiting. Like I'm really skeptical of anybody who's got a formula for healing or the exact words or incantations to make what we want happen. And I'm really skeptical of that and always had been, but so much more now that it's a reality that I walk pretty frequently. Sure. Sure. Yeah, let's definitely turn God into a formula or make this an effort thing. Because if I pray hard enough, Casey will be healed. It's all my hard effort. Yeah. And what I think is really interesting is I see so many people who say that and they don't mean it like that or they don't recognize that that's a mindset that they honestly do have. And I think that like it's probably a lot of our American individualistic mindset that that makes sense to us. Mm -hmm. That is a thing that we in most situations can do. And this is not one of them. And so I think that that's a really interesting way to sort of get to talk to people about my theology and how I view that in my life and 
how we can have those conversations. And hopefully when this person down the road is experiencing things that are really hard, whether that's physical pain or loss, they're not going to be floundering when their prayers maybe are not being answered the way that we would want them to be answered. That's one of the more powerful things that I think we sometimes miss as the body of Christ is we don't want to say things are hard, but frankly, they are. You know, like I think about right away after I graduated from college, I went through a hard season and current students would be like, hey, how's postgraduate life? And I would look at them honestly and be like, frankly, it sucks. And I just wanted them to be prepared for that. And obviously we would talk about it more, but I wanted them to be prepared for that after they graduated themselves because I knew I wasn't alone in that kind of experience myself. It was a little bit harder for me because we were in a recession. And so trying to find a job in a recession was, needless to say, less than easy. Um, But there were more elements of it. But it was a shared experience that I I could have just glossed over and been like, hey, it's great. I'm working a whole four hours a week. Right. Um, But just acknowledging, hey, this is hard. And so thank you for acknowledging, hey, this is hard. And being willing to share your theology and your own growth and the idea that it might not look like what it's looked like for everybody else. Absolutely. And I think that until people are willing to take a step forward and be vulnerable, it's just not going to, it's nothing's going to get better and nothing's going to change. Yeah. I don't always share everything on social media because I don't think you should. But a lot of times I have no problem when people ask me how I'm doing. I'm like, man, today has just been a really tough day. My pain's really high. I puked in a bush outside. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. it's one of those things that if we're not honest about it, then everybody flounders when they hit those mm-hmm. seasons and nobody gets out of life unscathed. So it's coming, right. whether it's coming in terms of physical or emotional or mental, everybody gets sort of struck by grief or loss or pain at some point. And if we're not preparing each other for it, Mm -hmm. I think we're really missing out on some beautiful ways of healing things. Yeah, for sure. What are some ways that you have built your life recognizing, hey, chronic pain is a thing, but yeah, I still want to move forward? Yeah, so I think that it took some very calculated decisions because like I said, finding a church is hard, having relationships with friends that are hard. It took a lot of adapting. I a hundred percent support anybody who has chronic pain going to therapy specifically designed for chronic pain patients. Uh, I did that about a year ago. I think it would have been more effective had I done it a few years earlier in my pain journey, but I didn't really know it existed. So if anybody's listening who has chronic pain, talk to your doctors about it. It can be really helpful. Uh, It really helped me sort of navigate how relationships and my life might need to change to accompany or better satisfy the needs of my disability without losing out on really wonderful things. So I make plans with friends, even though I know that I might not be able to make it if my pain's really high. Um, I have some really great friends here and we throw murder mystery parties every once in a while and we just sort of have a, hey guys, we're going to pick two dates and whichever day my pain is working is the day we're going to do it. And so a lot of it became needing to communicate really openly about what's going on, needing to honor my body and saying, if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. And that's okay. I shouldn't need to, shouldn't need to push myself just mm-hmm. to make things happen. Um, so that's been some really interesting ways that like you have to navigate a disability because the world isn't designed for disabled bodies on the whole. Mm. And I wish that that would change, but it 
is going to change eventually because we're making things happen. But that's the thing that I really encourage everybody to push towards because until we have access, we don't really have equality. And especially in the church, that's a struggle. Say more about that, about how the world is not built for those with chronic pain. I don't think the world is designed for anybody with any sort of disability on the whole, to be completely honest with you. Uh, you know, right now our culture really values that like hustle culture. You need to have a side gig. You need to be doing extra things. You need to do this. I can barely make dinner some days. Uh, I'm not going to be side hustling. I went from working a 50 hour week to if I can work 20 hours a week these days, that's awesome. If I am having a night where I can make dinner five days a week, that's awesome. And I'm really lucky to have a partner that's very supportive and who loves me and who loves me well in such a way that he does enable me to be able to do the things that I want to do. But that's in our home. The world doesn't cater to bodies that aren't neurotypical, physically abled, physically able to walk upstairs. Thankfully, I have a body that does walk upstairs, but other people don't. And so when they try to go to a church, the church is inaccessible. Mm -hmm. The church is inaccessible because they don't have interpreters. The churches are struggling. And, and, and I get it because it's hard, but I think that if the world was willing to listen to people with disabilities, access could be made. And until we're really willing to take a look at things and say that the disabled community is not a burden or an afterthought or something that we're forced to accommodate, mm -hmm. until that happens, it's always going to be a struggle. And right now, our world is just not designed for disabled bodies that can't go, 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 go until you hit a wall. Right. Do you think with the pandemic, we're getting better about that? Or do you think we're getting worse about it? I just read a really interesting article about that. It was talking about how the pandemic has given, it, this was specifically for churches, but in general, the pandemic has given the disabled community more access. Mm -hmm. There've been a lot of people with disabilities who have wanted to do online classes exclusively for years and years, but their local colleges wouldn't accommodate for it. And it turns out they can, they just were choosing not to. And so I think that the pandemic has done this really great job of giving us the ability to recognize we can be creative in how we offer access. We can be creative. People can work from home where they have accessible accommodations. They can do everything they need to do. They could be parents who are taking care of younger children at home. And these things are now able to successfully happen because we're willing to let people work from home. Whereas prior, it just wasn't an option. You needed to physically come in to your job, to whatever is going on, to a class, just because everybody else is able to do it. So you should too. Mm. And so I think that the pandemic has done this really interesting job of giving us creativity. And mm -hmm. I hope, I really, really hope that it'll create a lasting change that gives people greater access mm -hmm. everywhere. I don't know that it'll happen, but I'm really hopeful that it'll at least start the conversations. Yeah, maybe it at least can be a step in the right direction. Absolutely. So how can we love our friends who have chronic pain or other disabilities well? So I would say that the first thing is please don't tell them that they're crazy or that their pain is in their head. <laughs> I've gotten that a lot from well-meaning people 
super damaging. Um, and even then you can still say, you know, you can gently encourage friends to go to therapy if that is like a genuine concern. And I have friends who were like, maybe you need to do therapy. And I was like, maybe I do need to do therapy. That's actually <laughs> like when they came in love, it was like actually really, really helpful. It was really beautiful that that was something that they wanted me to know, but don't tell mm -hmm. people it's in their head. <laughs> right. But also just really offering flexibility when you need to, like when we need when we need an extra day to get things done, it's gonna need to be done. Uh, my house is constantly in a state of disarray. No matter how good my pain days are, I can never get my whole house clean. And so being like being able to say, hey, I don't care if your house is dirty or clean, we should mm -hmm. have lunch. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that would be really beneficial. And I've got a really great community that's loved me well by offering me that sort of flexibility, or being willing, they know if I say, hey, I just, I can't make it. They're not holding it against me or taking it personally that I can't make something happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just honestly being, just checking in, just mm -hmm. having a friend say, hey, how are you today? And you'd be like, I'm really struggling. Today's a terrible day. And they're like, yeah, that sucks. Having somebody who sympathizes, even if they don't get it, they still mm -hmm. are supportive is really, really really beneficial sure. to both my mind and my soul because it's, yeah. it's filling to have people who are affirming yeah those emotions are valid I get that so mm -hmm. love your people well give them some <laughs> grace yeah and I think another another thought with that you didn't directly say this but if I can put words in your mouth like ask them what they need yeah. like yeah what the needs of one person are going to be different than the needs of someone else Absolutely. There's really, there's no guideline for how to love anybody well, disabled mm -hmm. or not. And so asking people what they need and just being okay with that answer, they might not know. I've had a, I had a buddy last week who was like, Hey, I've just been thinking about you. Is there anything I can do for you? Whether that's meet up with you or, you know, we'll trade a book exchange or something like that. And I was like, I don't even know right now. I'm really overwhelmed, but I appreciate that you reached out. Let me get back to you. And it meant the world that they were willing to give me that time to sort of think through what sort of things I would need each day, because not every day is the same and certainly not every pain day is the same. So being gracious and being willing to give me that time and flexibility means the world. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you said that you never turned down prayer. So if somebody wants to pray for you or for somebody else who's got chronic pain, how can we approach that in a way that's going to be actually beneficial instead of being harmful? Uh, well, don't press where they're in pain. <laughs> I just like start that off in general. But realistically, I found that's really helpful just because I have a community of people who are also suffering from a variety of illnesses, disabilities, what have you. I usually ask if there are specific things that I can be praying for them about. Mm -hmm. If they don't have anything specific, I ask if this is a general thing I can be praying about. So if I have a friend who's got a chronic illness and I say, is there anything specific? And they say, no, not really. Just say, okay, so what I'm going to be praying about is your general health, that you're feeling rested, that the Lord is close. And I give specific are these things okay to be praying about? Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to press too hard because if they're in a place where they're struggling with their faith, I don't want my words and actions 
to be damaging. And so I've really found that asking specifically, are these things that I can pray about okay? And if they say no, I say, okay, if that changes, you can let me know. And I'll still be in prayer for them privately, but I won't, I don't want to force anybody to have something that they're not in a position to be. And there are seasons when I'm very accepting of prayer and there are seasons where I'm just like, just in general would be great. I don't have anything specific that I'm really okay with being prayed about right now and being okay with that answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's valid. And I think sometimes that's a hard, just, just pray for me in general, a hard thing to receive, but I think sometimes that's what we need to receive. Absolutely. I really like being able to pray for people in general, just because I don't think just specific things always cover it. Because if you ask me, what can you pray about? I could list three or four things. But if you also were like, and I'm just going to be praying about just let your life in general, just so that it sort of covers it. It's like a really comforting thing that I know that even if I forget something or I'm really stressed about something later, I don't feel like I need to text them and let them know. Just saying, I really appreciate that you're keeping me in prayer in general is really beneficial. And so that's, that's something that I try to offer when I can. And um, I always appreciate when people check in with me too. It's a good thing. That's valid. That's so valid. So let's transition a little bit. You and your husband, Noah, live Mm -hmm. very counterculturally. Like (laughs) y'all are some of the most generous people that I know. Like I remember back when you were in Miami at one point, I, there was a point when I thought I was going to be stuck in the Miami airport with a team of 50 and you're like, just come over to my house. And I was like, Casey, there are 50 of us. And you're like, I don't even care. Yeah. We would have made it work. Yeah. We did not invade Casey's house, but let's chat a little bit about what it looks like. You guys are a military family. You're pursuing foster care. Um, I don't, I know you don't currently, but you've had a roommate who moved across the country with you just to be your roommate. So let's hear a little bit about what that looks like for you guys. Yeah. So my husband is active duty in the Coast Guard and has been for almost 10 years. We are currently in the process of becoming licensed to foster and adopt in our state. Uh, We're still a couple months out from being able to take placements, but that is in process, which is very exciting. And we've been married, Sunday will be six years. So we've been married for almost six years. Thanks. We've been married for almost six years. And I think of that whole period, we've lived without roommates for like a little less than a year. Uh, We had my parents living with us for a bit. And then they moved out after their um, intended home that they were buying fell through. So they had moved out. And then a few months later, one of the young women that I had mentored when she was in high school and she was currently in college and just sort of needed a safe place to land. And so she lived with us for a couple of years. And then as she was moving out and like in preparation of like looking for her own apartment and sort of starting that process, Noah's best friend had some life stuff that just unfortunately happened and he just needed a safe place to fall. So we brought him with us and when we found out that the military was moving us to Maryland we were like I don't know if you want to live in Baltimore but we've got some space so he moved with us and he just moved out pretty recently uh so it's been fun we have it's been really interesting being married and still having roommates and getting to navigate that on top of chronic pain and military life and all of these other things it's really fun and really interesting not every moment is great 
but it's been a really beautiful uh, sort of experiment in being able to love people well in a way that they tangibly need. And my husband and I both were really poured into and blessed when we were younger. And if it hadn't been for those people who loved us well, we wouldn't be in the position that we are. And so we want to give back in whatever way we can. And so that's for the last couple of years has looked like living with roommates. And uh, as of hopefully the end of the year, we'll be fostering uh, specifically older kids and teenagers. Uh, there's a struggle for most kids and teens in the foster care system to have a safe home. And so they end up in group homes and we want to hopefully be a part of the statistic that changes that. So we are in that process and yeah, life is exciting. <laughs> Always something new. Always something new. Yeah. What made, was having roommates something that you guys said, hey, I want to do this or did it just kind of, that's the way the cookie crumbled? We had always been really open about the fact that we intended to foster and we always wanted to make sure that we had a space that if somebody needed, we could be that safe place. And so when we got married and we moved in together, we rented a two bedroom apartment, even though there was just the two of us and we really only needed a one bedroom. But we said, we don't really know what life is going to look like and we're not really sure what's going to happen. So if we can afford it, we're going to do this thing. And we found a really great little apartment and it housed a whole bunch of people for a lot of years. Uh, so yeah, we intentionally, when we moved to Maryland, we bought a home specifically knowing that we needed at least one place for our friend who was planning to move with us and at least one other room just in case somebody else needs a place to stay. And so, uh, you know, that's sort of the process that we had initially intentionally taken, but we weren't doing that with anybody in mind. We wanted to make sure that we had the space if somebody needed it and somebody almost always needs it. So yeah. <laughs> that is legit. There's, I have been myself, the person who just needs a place to land for three months, a year, whatever yeah. it is. So yeah. it's appreciated knowing that there are those options. Yeah. And I think that everybody has those seasons of life where you just need a hand. And if you don't have people who are doing that, what are you going to do? And that's, we always said that if it was something that was becoming a problem for our marriage, that we would do regular check-ins. And so every like quarter or so we would have like a check-in that was like, how are you feeling? How am I feeling? How is our marriage looking? What sort of things do we want to make sure that we're doing and accomplishing? And are there any things that we need to address early on before anything spirals? And that was always a thing that we, when anybody moves in with us, we always say, hey, listen, you can stay with us for this period of time and then we'll reevaluate. And what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that our marriage is healthy and that we're mentally and spiritually healthy. And if that becomes a problem, we're going to tell you so that we can make something work. And so that has been a really effective system for us so far. Like, you know, hey, we're only six years in, so like we are not experts, but it's worked for us really well. And so that's just sort of what we do once a quarter we check in and make sure that those are things are are handled and I think that that's something you do really well both for your marriage and for yourself because I know like we do ministry together and you're very open with me of like Katie hey I need this this and this by this this mm -hmm. and this and I'm like okay great and I try to meet it I don't always do a great job of that I will confess it but I appreciate your openness of like hey this is what I'm gonna need and I would love to accommodate that whenever it's feasible so thank you for being open and honest about, hey, this is what I need. And I think that that 
the world in general could be better about saying their needs. And I think that that's something that you do really well. First of all, you always make sure I get what I need. Don't even play. You are fantastic at that. I don't think there's ever been a situation where I've been like, Katie, I need these things. And you're like, well, I'm just not going to get them done. We're going to have to figure it out. You're great about that. So like, don't disparage yourself. You are doing wonderfully. But yeah, I think that I think that being in chronic pain sort of taught me that I have to be really open and honest about what I need because nobody else is going to know. Uh, except for like maybe my husband, who I swear can read my mind some days. Uh, so, you know, it's just one of those things where I have to take a hard look at my schedule and my life and my health and say, okay, these are the things that I need to be successful. And so these are what's going to need to happen. And so I think that if everybody did that, we'd probably be healthier in our relationships and our lives just because we don't, we're afraid to say what we need. And I just don't believe in that at all. I just very firmly think everybody should say what they need when they need. So at least everybody's on the same page, even if you can't accommodate it. Yeah. And I think that sometimes throwing out there what we need gives other people the opportunity to step up and say, hey, I can fulfill that need. You know, and I think about like when you joined our ministry team, you right away where you're like, hey, is it going to be accessible? And I'm like, hey, I really want it to be, but I'm a little overwhelmed in general. Can you help? And you're like, yeah, totally. I never expected you to say yes, by the way. <laughs> oh, I was really excited when you asked because I was like, I don't know if this is a point where I offer yet. And I was planning to when you'd said that you were really overwhelmed. And I was like, I'm going to offer, but I don't know if that's going to be taken really well yet because you did totally. seem very overwhelmed. And you were <laughs> like, you know, if you're interested, like you can let me know. And I was like, I'm totally interested. Let's make this happen. So it was really, it was very exciting. I just really appreciated that you were honest about what you needed and that was a, a place I could step in. Yeah. Yeah. And we reevaluate, not quite quarterly, but we reevaluate periodically yeah. of like, hey, yeah. this is working. Hey, this isn't working. And then figure out how to adjust from there. And like, I know when you guys start fostering, I might lose my ministry team member. Things, things are going to change. We'll just need to adapt the schedule is all. We will. We'll still we will. make things work. Yeah. And, and it really, like, it really is great that I know that I can call you and say, hey, Katie, there's some stuff going. I had a family emergency a couple weeks ago and I was like, there is no way I'm going to be able to get stuff done. Just a heads up. I'm going to be MIA for two weeks. And you mm-hmm. were so gracious and saying, not a problem. Take care of your family. So yeah, just being upfront and honest is really great, especially when people are willing to hear it. Yeah. Let's chat a little bit about how you and Noah keep your marriage healthy while you're living <laughs> counterculturally and managing chronic pain. And you're out of state. You've built a community now, but you're not living where your family lives. What has that looked like? As much as you're willing to share, obviously, Noah's not here. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that we're honoring him too. <laughs> Well, so he and I have both been really, really intentional about ensuring that we are on the same page and we have quality time together regularly. Mm-hmm. Because he's military, he's um, he's in the Coast Guard, but he's not currently stationed on a boat. So he is on land, which is really great. Part of that is because I'm injured. And so the Coast Guard is really wonderful about taking into consideration their family dependents and their active duty guardsmen that are disabled. And so that's been really beneficial, um, just knowing that on bad days, he's he's going to be here. Um, mm-hmm. But the first six months of our marriage, so we got married in September, and literally the first six months of our marriage, I was leaving the house at 6.15 in the morning, and he was getting home 
from overnight shifts at like 6.05 wow. in the morning. So we had about 10 minutes in the morning and then I would go to work and I'd come home at like 7, 7.30 at night and he would be already at work for the mm. next night shift. And so we really learned pretty early on that you have to sort of fight to make sure that you are on the same page. And so he still sometimes has that schedule. We've got a little bit more flexibility now, um, especially because I'm not physically able to work those kind of hours any longer. But just making sure that we are regularly spending time together. We had a great marriage counselor through the Coast Guard chaplaincy. And he talked a lot about how he and his wife had specifically created a schedule on when they would have date nights. Whether mm -hmm. that date night looked like actually leaving the house or not, they had scheduled time for when they were going to be together. And they would have regularly scheduled check-ins and making sure that everything was healthy and that they were doing okay and that needs were being met. And so he and I have just sort of said, okay, that's a really great plan. Let's see how that goes. And we're going to go ahead and go from there. Um, we also are not afraid to get marriage counseling. Um, like I said, we're planning on fostering soon. And part of what we decided to do was go ahead and do a couple of marriage counseling sessions. Also through the Coast Guard because we have that available. But if it wasn't, we would, you know, use a pastor or something. And we are going to go ahead and do some marriage counseling just to make sure that there aren't any things that are coming in between that neither of us maybe see coming or that could be under the surface and aren't things that we would otherwise notice because we want to stay in a marriage that's healthy and that we're both being spiritually filled. And I think you have to sometimes fight for that. And so that for us looks like regularly scheduled time together, even if that's just sort of reading books next to each other. You don't have to talk during that time. Just being together is good. Sure. Um, sure. And so like that sort of stuff is is things that work really well for us. Um, we used to be pretty active, but due to my chronic pain, that sort of shifted. And so we do a lot of movies before the pandemic. We would mm -hmm. do things that I can physically handle. Mm -hmm. And if he is like wants to go rock climbing, that's great. It just won't be with me. <laughs> so, um, you know, we have to, we have to just make sure that stuff is working for both of us in a healthy way. And so we've been pretty intentional about that and it's worked out really well for us. And obviously every couple is going to be different. Every life sure. situation is going to be different, but it works really well for us right now. And we're constantly at the, at the level of saying, Hey, if this isn't working, let's have that conversation and see if we can get it working better earlier. So if we have enjoyed this conversation with you and we want to continue, maybe continue the conversation or just be your friend, where can we find you online? So I'm on Instagram uh, under, uh, let's see what my tag is. I think it's Casey underscore underscore Jenkins because there's a lot of Casey's out there. There's a lot of Casey Jenkins. So Casey underscore underscore Jenkins. Uh, and Double you'll underscore. find me. Yeah, you'll find me there. And I just sort of post a lot about chronic pain and lots of pictures of my very cute dog and my family and how life looks as a chronic pain patient. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's, it's fun to see the content that you post um, because I feel like it's challenging in a good way a lot of times. And so that's cool. That's always a good thing to hear. Yeah. So I have two final questions for you. The yes. first one is, would you be willing to pray for us? Yes. 
Dear Lord, I am so thankful for this conversation with Katie. I am just so grateful for her ministry and her time and her dedication to just accumulating and accumulating hope in all of its places, Lord. I ask that you bless her life, bless her ministry, bless her as she walks each day. I pray you bless this conversation, that anyone who hears it might be encouraged or at least feel like they are a little bit more understood, Lord. I ask that you give grace and peace and mercy and healing in all of its forms to all of us, and that uh, you bring us a little closer towards the peace that uh, we know the kingdom of the Lord contains and gives us all. And uh, I ask all of these things in your glorious name. Amen. Amen. And then our final question. I feel a little bit like you've cheated because you know what's coming. Oh, oh, I do know what's coming. (laughs) What do you wish everyone knew? I wish everybody knew that we are all a little bit broken. And if you're not a little bit broken, it's coming. But that there's (laughs) really, really beautiful things that happen in the breaking process. And that even if it feels like your life has ruined and that things are not coming or going the way you expected them to be, that there can still be really, really beautiful things on the other side of our afters and that the Lord is just as good now as he was then and that he'll be just as good in the future as he is right now. That blessed me. So thank you for that. I'm glad. You had time to study for that one. Everyone else usually gets caught <laughs> off guard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have listened to a few of these episodes. Just, just a, a few. few. It's in every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Several times. Several times. You have. You've listened to more Have Hope Will Travel episodes than I have. Probably true. <laughs> Probably true. Well, Casey, thank you so much for your time and for your willingness to share your story and for the work that you're doing for God's kingdom. I don't want you to sell yourself short in uh, what you're able to contribute because of what your body allows you to do, because I think that you are doing a remarkable work and especially remarkable work with what you're walking through. And so thank you for the work that you've done for me and for our ministry and for all the individuals in your church, the people who've lived with you, the foster kids who are going to be placed with you eventually, Lord. Lord, I'm apparently praying here. (laughs) I appreciate that. Like, that's always a really good reminder to have people tell us that. And I just really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate you having me here. This is exciting. This has been so much fun. (laughs) Isn't Casey awesome? She is a huge part of our Have Hope Will Travel ministry team. We could not do what we do without her. So make sure to jump over to Instagram and give her some love. That's Casey underscore underscore Jenkins. Something else you can do to help the ministry would be to share this episode with a friend. Maybe a friend who's got chronic pain and say, hey, is your story like Casey's story? Hey, tell me how you agree with what she said and tell me how you feel differently than what she said. You can also review the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you are listening to us today. Ratings, reviews are huge. That's how other people find the show as well. And while you're on Instagram, if we haven't connected yet, I'm Katie Axelson, K-A-T-I-E-A-X-E-L-S-O-N. Enjoy your week, my friends. We'll see you again in two weeks. Be blessed and be loved.